I don't know why restaurants have such dim lighting. It's supposed to be, I guess, romantic or set the mood. But I don't really like it being that dark when I'm trying to read my menu or see my food. I like to see. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, I get it for like lounges, but like restaurants, I feel like sometimes too dim is not not that good. I guess the idea is you're not going to be looking at your menu the whole night. So. Supposed to be looking deep into somebody's eyes. <laughs> Welcome to Killing the Industry, the podcast mini-series about industries millennials are allegedly killing. We're going to find out if A, this industry is actually dead, right? and B, if it is dead, who killed it. I'm Ashley Montgomery. And I'm Evelina. Today, we're looking at an industry I think I may have had a hand in killing. Well, if you did, then I definitely did too. But before we place blame, we've got to answer this first. The dinner date industry. Is it actually dead? Stick around to find out. It's always been about dinner on the first date. However, for millennials, that's not the case. A new survey found millennials are killing the dinner date. Dinner is a massive commitment for millennials. We don't even go to dinner with our parents and we live with them. So the idea of meeting a complete stranger and spending an hour or two hours or more, that's a major commitment, especially when you met them on Tinder. Hard-hitting news from Fox 5. You know, I didn't think the dinner date was an actual industry until I saw all the reports saying that millennials are killing it, so... And there are so many articles about it. Like in Cosmopolitan. Why first date dinners suck. Vanity Fair. Tinder and the dawn of the dating apocalypse. The New York Times. The end of courtship. Scientific American. Commitment for millennials. Colon. Is it okay? Cupid. The only people more concerned about millennial love lives than news organizations are parents. <laughs> True. But what a lot of these report headlines are leaving out is how specific this accusation is. It's not that millennials are killing dating or even all dinner dates. It's that they're accused of killing the tradition of going out to a restaurant for dinner for the first date. The only way to get a real answer to this was to actually go out on a date. Maybe not a first date, but definitely a dinner date with millennials. So remember that couple at the top of the show? Danny and Sharice? Yeah, Danny, 25, and Sharice, 26. They're a couple in Washington, D.C., and basically they were going out on a date, and I just kind of tagged along. Honestly, just picture a super rainy Saturday night, this dimly lit cheesecake factory booth where it love is born with these oldies blasting from the speakers there's a tall guy with glasses and slick back hair danny sitting next to a cute light-skinned lady in a striped skirt and high ponytail that's sharice and they're just this really cute couple and then there's me jamming a recorder over their nachos and spicy chicken sandwich i'm like the loudest one out of all our friends probably yeah. loudest yeah like in terms of like leading the way oh and like i don't think about loud i think about like sharice loud like ah no that's annoying loud <laughs> god how many shots you're being recorded how many shots are you gonna take at me i'm glad i want the people to know we haven't even gotten to the dirty talk yet oh my gosh <laughs> they didn't 
seemed to mind too much. I was actually surprised they answered all the questions I had about their dating habits. Did you get to ask them about dating apps and stuff? I had to. Like, every article blames apps like Tinder and sites like OkCupid for driving millennials to kill the dinner date. So, even though Sharice had never used one of those, here's what Danny said when I asked him. So I have used dating apps in the past. Why I use them? I don't know. Just to, like, meet new people. Not really. I, you know, I didn't really expect to, like, hook up with anyone. I just wanted to meet new people. You didn't expect to hook up with anyone? I didn't. I've never hooked up with anyone I've met on a dating app. I've, I've kissed one girl I met on one dating app. That's it. That's it. I'm not about... I'm not about... If I'm opposed to, like, the hookup culture... I mean, I'm not opposed, but you know what I mean. If that's not, like, my style, why would I just, like, hook up with random people on dating apps that it's I've never even met... That I've never met personally. It's your prerogative. Huh. So, no apps, really. Nope. I also asked them about hookup culture because that's a big part of, I'm assuming, the decline in millennial dinner dating. Right. But we kind of hit a snag there. Why? Just, like, defining what is a hookup. You know? Is it making out? Is it more? Oh. But they both are mostly serial monogamous anyway, fond of dates, especially if it's for dinner. Yeah, but how much do these dates cost and who pays? Because, you know, a lot of the theories behind why millennials are doing coffee or happy hour dates instead of, like, a full-out dinner is because it's cheaper. And in an economic sense, I feel like that's reasonable, especially if you don't know the person well or if you're not sure you want to spend a ton of time and money so early on. But Danny and Sharice... <laughs> well, they told me that most of their dates range from 60 to 80 bucks. What? Yeah, and who pays for it varies, you know, sometimes him, sometimes her, sometimes they split. Wait, well, back up, 60 or 80 dollars for one date? That's the average, yeah. But on their first date, Danny really went for it. $100 well worth it. You paid $100 on that first date? It was like one time, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, what's that, though? Jesus. So, if you're new to the show, you may think we're about to sell you something right now. We're not, uh, because we're pretty cheap ourselves, so no ads here. Instead, we've got a question. When's the last time you've had some water? If you had to think about it, it's probably been too long. Though the daily recommended amount varies, it certainly can't hurt to have a couple glasses a day. To get rid of waste in your body, to lubricate joints so you don't pop like you're 20 going on Methuselah's age, to protect sensitive tissue. So, if you haven't had some in a while, go ahead. Pause the episode, we'll be here when you get back. But only if you want, okay? Okay. Welcome back to Killing the Industry. I'm Everlina. And I'm Ashley. Uh, before the break, we were talking about a couple, Danny and Sharice, and their dating habits. Because, supposedly, 
Millennials are killing the dinner date. To me, Danny and Cherise feel like outliers almost because they love dinner dates. Mm-hmm. Don't mind spending tons of money on them and aren't part of the hookup or dating app culture. Right. Uh, but I'm wondering if it's not too personal. What do they do? I mean, how do they pay for all these dinner dates? Well, they both have entry-level day jobs. Danny is in politics and Cherise is at a nonprofit. But they met in their part-time journalism grad program at Georgetown. Uh, I just asked because uh, money seems like a big part of this millennials are killing the dinner date thing because if you can't afford to go out, then you're not going to. I mean, yeah, but there are other options too. Like this couple also mentioned bike rides and walks, these cheaper, sometimes free options. Cheaper options that are almost never mentioned in these articles. Uh, but Cherise and Danny seem lucky and the rest of the relationship lacking millennials aren't. Right. So these two Indiana University researchers, Dr. Helen Fisher and Dr. Jessen Garcia, surveyed 5,500 millennial singles in 2016 and then drew conclusions about how women view sex and dating, how men view sex and ideal places to find love and get love advice and dating and pet peeves. What struck me was that 57% of millennials they talked to considered themselves lonely. And even though 22% say technology has made finding love more difficult, the study found that this generation is still 57% more likely to use a dating app or service. Like, I understand the research, but I also feel like it's part of the technology boom that happened during this generation's lifetime, too. Exactly. Like, in older generations, there weren't phones that were basically computers they could carry around in their pockets, and definitely not as many apps and services as there are today. From an economic standpoint and a technological standpoint, things are just different for millennials. And basically, whether you're a person who likes dinner dates or dating apps or falls somewhere in between, we're just trying to adapt to this romantic landscape. Which is why people turn to dating apps. They help you screen someone or meet someone quickly in a very low commitment environment. Like in your pajamas as you swipe. Which can lead to an in-person first date that's also low commitment. Coffee, drinks, or high commitment if that's your style. Hashtag pricey dinner dates. Which sounds pretty ideal. So let's actually talk about Dr. Helen Fisher a bit more because she's actually done a ton of research about love and dating and how it is we exactly fall in love with the people that we fall in love with and not someone else. Here's a TED talk that she did in 2008 about the subject. There are still many questions to be uh, answered and asked about romantic love. The question that I'm working on right this minute, and I'm only going to say it for a second and then end, is why do you fall in love with one person rather than another? The reason I never would have even thought to think of this, but Match.com, the internet dating site, came to me three years ago and asked me that question. And I said, I don't know. I know what happens in the brain when you do become in love, but I don't know why you fall in love with one person rather than another. And so I've spent the last three years on this, and uh, there's many reasons that you fall in love with one person rather than another that psychologists can tell you. And we tend to fall in love with somebody from the same socioeconomic background, the same general level of intelligence, the same general level of good looks, the same religious values. Your childhood certainly plays a role, but nobody knows how. And that's about it. That's all they know. 
No, they've never found the way two personalities fit together to make a good relationship. So it began to occur to me that maybe your biology pulls you towards some people rather than another. And I have concocted a questionnaire to see to what degree you express dopamine, serotonin, estrogen, and testosterone. I think we've evolved four very broad personality types associated with the ratios of these four chemicals in the brain. And on this dating site that I've created called chemistry.com, I, I, I ask you first uh, a series of questions to see to what degree you express these chemicals, and I'm watching who chooses who to love. And uh, 3.7 million people have taken the questionnaire in America. About 600,000 people have taken it in 33 other countries. I'm putting the data together now, and at some point, there will always be magic to love, but um, I think I will come closer to understanding why it is you can walk into a room and everybody is from your background, your same general level of intelligence, your same general level of good looks, and you don't feel pulled towards all of them. I think there's biology to that. I think we're going to end up in the next few years to understand all kinds of brain mechanisms that pull us to one person rather than another. In another study, Dr. Helen Fisher basically said it's okay to use dating apps and online services and sites to meet people as an introduction to get sort of a feel for it, but to actually fall in love with someone or to decide to commit to dating them, you have to actually meet them in person. These sites and apps are just an introduction. That makes sense, but I also don't want it to make sense because that makes things much harder. Yep. I mean, take Danny and Charisse. They knew each other for over a year before he asked her out, but so many of their favorite dates just kind of flowed. Like, not even to be sappy or like to boost his head, but like every date we have is very like movie-like. Like today, like walking through like the scenic area and all the leaves and had fallen and it's very, all the different colors of fall and it's, it's just like very scenic and the sense, your senses are just full of different smells and sights and you're really into each other and going to Mount Vernon, being by the water, it's, it's like everything we do is very scenic and different and gorgeous and our first kiss was like in front of the Capitol overlooking the, what, what is that, like this little, um, reflection pond and it was like a sunset and it was just like everything's very scenic and very romantic but we do a lot of like strolls like when people say I like long strolls on the beach we'll do like a long stroll in the monuments or Mount Vernon over there on the Potomac or a bike ride over the Potomac or like today where we just did a stroll through like the gardens in Georgetown so I think everything's very scenic and I think good conversation, good conversation and good company make a great date. And then being in a scenic area just makes it 10 times better. So I think when you're with somebody you really care and love, like anything can be a beautiful date. But my ideal date is just walking hand in hand around a scenic area and enjoying the moment. So we've had a lot of those. So that's my ideal date. And we've had like countless. So what do you think? I don't know, this was tricky. So I don't think the dinner date industry in general is dead because it seems like people do still seem to go out for dinner for the first date. 
I think it's fewer people than it was before, but I don't think it's dying. The dinner date, even for the first date, is not going the way of the dodo bird. Right, it's not extinct. It's not even endangered. It's just like a hybrid of walking, coffee, happy hour dates are forming alongside the traditional dinner date. Right. Uh, final verdict. Hmm. Dinner date? Not dead. And millennials found not guilty of killing. So that's our show. If you got questions, suggestions, concerns, all of the above, let us know. Subscribe to the show. Tweet us at KTI Podcast. Email us at checktheindustry at gmail.com. And check out our blog for the research we referenced to find out more about the next episode or answer the poll for this episode. What's the definition of hookup culture? Because honestly, I still don't know. Yeah, ktipodcast.wordpress.com. This episode was produced and edited by the talented Ashley Montgomery. She put that in the script, you guys. Mommy. And by the cantankerous Everlina Penn. Wow, okay. Uh, audio clips featured were from Box 5 New York as well as TED Talks. Our logo was designed by Andrea Piaz. And our original theme song is by The Band Geeks. Other music in this episode is Lee Rosevers. You can find free music archive links on our blog. Huge special thanks to Cherie Tanner and Danny Gomez for letting me crash their date and ask questions about their dating habits. Okay, about that. Was it awkward being an intentional third wheel? Sometimes, yeah. The way it always is, being a single person around any loving couple, but for the most part, no. Yeah, I, I think it would have been awkward for me. <laughs> I think it would have been awkward for you, too. Anyway, thanks for listening. This has been Killing the Industry. Bye, guys. Take care.